Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Your mean, obviously, was fantastic for the first month of April. Uh, had struggled some over the last couple of months. Uh, he showed signs of starting to slowly come out of this, but given where we're at right now and having to uh, figure out a way to get through the weekend here, at least in Detroit, it made more sense to have Jake on the active roster than your main. Uh, fully expect uh, that we will see him again at some point. Uh, he left here dedicated to getting his bat back on track. Uh, we'll obviously mix him in some over the course of his stay there uh, behind the plate as well uh, to get him reacclimated with that over the next uh, several weeks here. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Welcome back Inside the Clubhouse. David Haw with Bruce Levine here, and that was the voice of Rick Hahn on the score talking yesterday about uh, sending your mean Mercedes the story of April down to Charlotte to bringing up Jake Berger who got his first major league hit last night that's a great story but Bruce we heard from we heard from Rick Hahn general manager for the White Sox we heard from Jed Hoyer the president of the Chicago Cubs two executives with very different to-do lists for the month of July two executives with very different agendas help us read between the lines in what we heard yesterday from both men well, what we heard from both of them yesterday were uh, cautious, optimistic signs uh, that um, their teams will continue to play well and that they will be able to help them out. Uh, let's start with the Chicago Cubs, David. Uh, Jed Hoyer spoke to reporters in Cincinnati, and he um, basically put it right back in the players and manager and coaching staff's hands and saying, Look, uh, we're not really decided yet uh, how this is going to go. Uh, it's been a tough stretch here. We still believe in these guys. Uh, we have uh, wonderful players, a good team. Um, but we're not 100% sure where we're at as far as what type of players we're going to add or subtract uh, going down the line here. Now, with 30 days left in the season, David, I ask you, uh, is he sharing everything that we need him to share with us. Well, here's the thing. He's got 30 days until the deadline. He has the calendar as his ally. He doesn't want to announce how desperate he really feels, even if he feels that sense of desperation. Cubs have lost seven in a row. The entire context of this season it has changed since the no-hitter in L.A., which I think could end up being you know, one of the highlights of the season. Seems like a seems like eons ago that Anthony Rizzo hit that home run in front of a packed house at Wrigley Field, and we started to think this was something magical happening. So if you're Jed Hoyer, you are going to lean on what you have, and then you have the calendar as your friend. The Cubs aren't likely to be in buy mode. That's the one thing I think you can declare 
once and for all this week. Seven straight losses have taken them out of the buyer's market. Now, how aggressively they sell, we don't know. And I don't think he has to reveal yet. So publicly, even though privately he may be thinking, all right, I'm, I'm positioning here, I'm texting this guy there, I'm open for business. Publicly, he's not going to reveal that because you don't want to sound like you, you have a fire sale and you haven't declared all those things yet. So I get where he's coming from, even though you could interpret what he's saying by saying, okay, the players will tell me as a guy that doesn't want to commit fully to, to one direction. You know, it's interesting, David. We're 30 days away from that trade deadline. You have the, the big three free agents, Baez, Rizzo, and and uh, Bryant. And yet we've, we've yet to hear a rumor about any of them being traded anywhere or any teams that have had conversations with the Cubs about the possibility of adding these guys. Now, we've seen uh, minor injuries to... Uh, to Bryant, uh, we've seen minor injuries to Baez. Uh, we've seen uh, a deal, uh, you know, Rizzo deal with his back on two different occasions so far, and missing I think a total of eight games uh, so far because of the back. Um, are these guys, in your mind, number one, can they be traded, and two, should be should they be be traded if they deem that the Cubs are not going to go forward this year? What the Cubs have done is they have put Jed Hoyer in the position where he has to listen. He has an obligation to listen. I am on record, and I will maintain, that if you trade Chris Bryant on, on Monday, you will regret it Tuesday, and you will regret it for the next 10 years. I think that would be a mistake. I, I will maintain that until he is an ex-Cub. Now, I, have, I don't have as, as strong of a feeling about Javi Baez um, – and, and I don't know that you have much of a market that's going to develop for Anthony Rizzo. I think it's going to be very difficult to trade one of these three guys that you have identified and rightly as the core guys who are on the market. Now, I think the scenario changes and the conversation shifts when it is Craig Kimbrell. Closers are much easier to deal and much, much in, in more demand during pennant races. So I could see the Cubs... After all is said and done, a month from today, if we're talking on August 3rd, Bruce, whether on this show or on the Mullen Haw show in the morning, if we are talking about what the Cubs have done, wouldn't shock me at all if they end up trading Craig Kimbrell but being unable to deal the other three just because of some of the complicated realities that are involved when you're trading stars of that caliber. I wonder if any of them would like being traded at this point. I don't think I've ever asked any of them, but I think those are questions that have to be asked over this next month of if the Cubs are not going to be competitive, if they're not going to compete, would you rather be somewhere else uh, than the Cubs for the last two months before you become a free agent? Why would you let's ask listen that? To, uh, why, 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 let's why, listen to – Why would you ask that, Bruce? Yeah. I'd be curious. Have you heard something that would make you wonder if a guy yeah, yeah. might be let's, – okay. let's listen to let's listen to Anthony Rizzo – talk about after the game last night about where the Cubs are at and what it might lead to. Yeah, I mean, we just we're obviously on a skid and it's not fun and um, losing sucks. And um, but we're going to come in tomorrow and just play and be ready to play. And, you know, from now until the trade deadline, you guys are going to ask questions every single day, rightfully so, um, because there are going to be rumors flying and stories written. Um, but I think it's on all of us in the clubhouse to just 
stay connected, stay together, and take it day by day. Every cliche in baseball for these next 30 days or whatever it is, uh, you need to stick by and just day by day, at bat by at bat, game by game, because, yes, there will be stuff flying, but we're all professionals and we know how to prepare and just play baseball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so, Bruce, are you suggesting that maybe Anthony Rizzo wouldn't be the most unhappy Major League Baseball player if he gets the news that he's traded to a contender or somebody in a playoff hunt? That's a question I'm going to have to ask him. I don't think I can. But 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 he, in that soundbite, he opened up a whole world of ideas that's going floating through his mind and other guys' minds in that clubhouse. And that All is right. the very real possibility they'll be somewhere else. And maybe hitting a home run in Yankee Stadium for the Yankees, making a second-half surge for Anthony Rizzo wouldn't be the worst thing in his mind at this point. So what you're suggesting is that Anthony Rizzo is mentally checked out. No, if, I don't think if, he's checked out. I mean, he, he wants to be a Cub for the rest of his career. Does he? But I'm telling you that he's a realistic man. He's a guy that understands where the Cubs are at. He understands that the big three have not been signed over these last five or six years. The conversations have not worked out. And the reality of the situation is somebody or maybe all of them will not be back next year. And right now it's incumbent upon Jed Hoyer to do what he feels is right for the team going forward. It's a fair question. I I do think you do wonder this because of how many players the Cubs have facing the final years of their deals. I think it's 12 or 13 players. And so it presents an interesting dynamic if what you're suggesting is true. If you have a lot of players, half your roster, half your active roster, concerned about the future, how locked in on the present are they? And that's the dynamic and challenge for David Ross to keep this team focused and be, being able to be resilient through a tough time like this seven-game losing streak. Yeah, it's something that bears watching. If, but the other aspect of this, Bruce, is that regardless, regardless, Anthony Rizzo's bad back makes him very risky for a team trading for him. What do you get, and and how healthy is he, and how much can you count on him in the second half? Well, Anthony Rizzo is a winner. Anthony Rizzo is a power bat and one of the great defenders at first base. So any team taking a risk and adding Anthony Rizzo for the last two months would probably be making the right choice. He's also a tough guy that's dealt with his back issue for a a number of years and is able to uh, average 150 games a year when they had 150 games to play. Uh, You know, this is a tough, tough guy. Um, As we talk about, if you want to bet on somebody going to another team and doing okay, a guy that stands on the top of the plate that has a two-strike approach that brings all the other things that he brings to the game every day, he he would be a nice guy to gamble on, I think. Yeah, and yet... And yet, I don't know if you see often teams looking for first baseman at the trade deadline. They look for bats. Well, there's a, look, another league with a DH in it, right? Yeah, I suppose that that would be the case. And Anthony Rizzo is going to bring you that championship mentality um, if he can stay healthy. And I think the word that the word "if" is is in play more this year than in previous ones because we've already seen him now miss two key stretches, and the second one you know, in Milwaukee when they needed him most. So I I think he won't be as easy to deal, even though he may sound like he's accepted that possibility more so than in the past. 
I don't know. I, I think the easiest guy to yeah. deal is going to be Craig Kimbrell. And then, eh, you know, the Bryant thing's complicated. The other part of it, David, yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you. The other part of it is what do you, if you're Hoyer, what do you think is uh, a good return for these iconic guys? Do you look at them as iconic guys or do you look at them as veteran players that are going somewhere else right now and we need to get what we need to get for them? Uh, it's it's a very tough situation. I'm, I'm glad I'm not Jed Hoyer because uh, regardless of what you do, you're you're gonna you're gonna get bashed by a certain amount of people. Whether you you hold on to these guys and get nothing, and uh, the Mully and Haw show on uh, on October 31st is talking about how could you sit there all these years and get nothing for these superstar players, or you traded them away and uh, Anthony Rizzo or Baez helps uh, the Oakland A's win their first World <laughs> Series in uh, in 30 oh, years. I mean, you know, that be something? I mean. Yeah. Those are those are real situations that have to be talked about and dealt with on a daily basis by Hoyer and his uh, front office. But Bruce, I think that you're weighing the draft pick compensation that you would receive if you let these guys walk for nothing in free agency, versus the quality of the and level of the prospects you would receive in return. And and I don't know right. that you you that's a very difficult equation to solve because I don't know that uh, in, in either case you can project because as we talked to Jim Callis when you're projecting the futures of 18 year old prospects you're going to be wrong probably more often than you're going to be right and so when you factor that into right. all of this stuff it gets, becomes very complicated very fast injuries and needs are going to uh, play big in some of these scenarios that we're talking about right now you know if a team like Boston loses Bogarts it's shortstop yeah uh, right, you know, for the rest of the year, we're not wishing any ill will on him, of course, but uh, injuries are going to dictate a lot of trade possibilities here over the next three or four weeks. And that's why Jed Hoyer said he has the the benefit of the calendar. He has thirty days left, right. or now it's twenty seven days left, because demand will dictate how how eager you are or how willing and able you are to make a deal of that magnitude. And so, the closer you get to the deadline, the more clear that will become bruce let's go out to the score listener line is powered by betql bet smarter beat the books download the betql app today or visit betql.com matt is in bloomington good morning matt hey good morning guys how are you good good i want to do uh kind of address sort of the state of the big three um for one i i, I know that kb's been kind of struggling with injuries over the last four years it seems like since 18 um, and if you look at his numbers, I mean, is, is he just a guy that has to be 100% absolutely in order for him to produce? Um, you know, it seems like anytime he's nicked up, it, it doesn't like, it's not like his production just kind of drops off a little bit. I mean, he completely disappears. Um, look at his numbers in June. And I mean, I'll preface it by saying he's my absolute favorite player and not, and not just on the Cubs, but in all of baseball. But I just don't see how you can pay somebody the type of money that, for one, he's looking for, and two, frankly, I don't think Ricketts is going to be willing to dish out that kind of money. Um, but, I mean, just look at June. I mean, he is – he hasn't – his production just hasn't gone down. I mean, he's been a negative war player, and he completely disappears anytime he gets banged up. Thanks for the phone call, Matt. No, it's a, it's a, it's a great call, Matt. And, uh, David um... – at what point uh, are we too selfish as fans and say we want guys forever? Um, 
Chris Bryant has been one of the great Cub players of history. Whether he stays there, um, whether he leaves tomorrow or he stays another three or four years, he's going to be known as one of the top players in the history of the Chicago Cubs. He's given them six outstanding years. Uh, he's, made 70, he's made $70 million. He's yeah. won an MVP and a Rookie of the Year award. So okay. at some point, is it the end of the world if these no. guys leave? Well, yeah. No, it's not the end of the world, but I want him forever, Bruce. I think you can have your forever players. I understand sure. the injury Invite him to your house me. for dinner. <laughs> no, it's not that. <laughs> it's like from a baseball perspective, if you're building a team – and you're, you have an organization that has as much reach as the Cubs. You want to identify franchise players, foundational pieces. Chris Bryant represents everything that you want in one of those guys. You're going to trade guys, uh, players for prospects that you hope one day grow up to be. Chris Bryant, all right? You have one of those. Find a way to get it done in Chicago to sign him long term. You know, June was a terrible month. June was a terrible month. But let's not forget everything that we said in April and May about how this guy worked hard to put himself back into MVP status or caliber of a player. So there are exceptions to the rule. That's not my rule, but I think he is an exception. You're right. And, you know, the expectations of Chris Bryant were built by Chris Bryant, Rookie of the Year, MVP, uh, plays of all different positions, uh, sunny personality, Great young man, uh, everything you want to represent your organization forever. But, you know, as the caller points out, injuries change things, situations change things. And uh, if uh, uh, we don't know if, if Chris Bryant wants to be a Cub any longer after point. the next two months. I and mean, if I invited uh, look, him to dinner, Bruce, if I invited him to dinner, you'd have to come too. Okay, I'll bring, uh, I would bring the desserts. Okay. So you could ask all the uh, tough as far, questions. I mean, look, the Los Angeles Dodgers and Chris Bryant. Las Vegas is, is a short ride away from uh, Los Angeles. They, uh, they are going to need, uh, you know, Turner is 37 years old. They're going to oh, need a third God. baseman. Uh, when you know. talk about the future, that might be what Chris Bryant and his family would want, not necessarily staying with the Cubs. No, the Dodgers don't need Chris Bryant. They've got enough big toys. Come on. They've got enough fun stuff out there. They can't get everything. They, Chris Bryant well, to the uh, Dodgers? A lot, lot, lot less pressure on Chris Bryant to go play for the Dodgers. Uh, perhaps, perhaps. Okay, we need to break, Bruce. We need to come back, and we will talk about the White Sox. It's not a dilemma. What a, what a joyful month this could be for Rick Hahn. He's trying to pick the final pieces to a World Series puzzle. We'll find out what he had to say yesterday with Bruce Levine. I'm David Hall inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been getting better. I feel like the the approach and everything is kind of starting to sink, working with Frankie and Howie, and uh, just, like I said, every day just getting that much better and trying to progress and help this team do anything I can. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. I'm David Hall with Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock. That was the voice of Andrew Vaughn, Bruce, rookie outfielder, who made a great catch last night in left field, diving stop, and boy, is he athletic and versatile. In his last seven games, he's also been, you know, sizzling hot at the plate. Two home runs, two doubles, hitting 500 with five runs batted in. One of those rookies that has come through for the White Sox in a big way. We'll talk to another one in, in a few minutes. Uh, Jake Berger coming up at 1040. 
looking forward to that conversation. But Rick Hahn talked yesterday before the game, Bruce, and I wonder what effect these rookies and and Gavin Sheets is the third one. What effect do, do these contributions have on uh, a GM coming up with a trade deadline and trying to address weaknesses that don't seem as weak when you have guys like this emerge? But but how does it change maybe the mindset if it does at all for a Rick Hahn? Well, it depends how many people ask you in a trade coming back for um, Gavin Sheets. I mean, uh, these are they're not only helping you right now, but as we saw with the Cubs when they had need and they needed to plug in to continue to be a playoff, deep playoff team, you have to consider trading your young people. Uh, we saw, you know, a trade that looks awful for the Cubs right now in 2017, but helped solidify their position to go to the playoffs in 17 and uh, and 18 with uh, with uh, Quintana going to the Chicago uh, Cubs for two young players, one of them named Cease, one of them named Jimenez. Doesn't look like a great trade right now. Uh, everybody's going to pan it, but at that time, the Cubs needed that depth. So are the White Sox willing to trade uh, a guy like uh, Sheets, a guy you know like Collins uh, in a trade that would bring back uh, something that helps them uh, this year and, and beyond as far as a plug into the outfield or a, another position where they need strength right now. The way that you understand it, Bruce, what's the holdup on Eduardo Escobar? Uh, he's the name that you heard yeah. reported by Bob Nightingale out in Arizona. Other teams have now emerged. Uh, also, That's Adam it. Frazier, you mentioned it, the Pirates All-Star is, is on the market. That's exactly what it is, uh, David, as you just pointed out. Other teams got involved late in the Escobar situation. So what looked like a one-team one trade uh, with Arizona looking with the White Sox for, for young players back uh, has now escalated to two or, two or three other teams interested, and that's uh, held the White Sox off uh, from making this deal right now. They wanted to make this deal, but, uh, you know, Arizona – as I pointed out last week on our show, David, they, they don't have to trade now. They have no needs right now. They've won 23 games. They're on pace to win, like, you know, maybe 40 games, 42 games, and, and challenge for the all-time worst record in baseball history. So they, they'll take their time in trading their chips away, uh, knowing that they they got a, a pretty big rebuild ahead of them. So when you look at the rumors, and that's what they are right now, Bruce, and yesterday, for instance, Adam Frazier, I think it might have been John Heyman who floated the idea that the Pirates would be asking for an Andrew Vaughn in return. That doesn't excite me at all. I mean, I like the idea of getting an all-star that fits into your mix, but I don't like the idea of of trading a young player that could potentially be um, part of your future and your sustained success. And it was was, uh, one of these things where – you, it, it wasn't. It, John Heyman said it on a radio interview, from what I understand, that he mentioned that yeah. Vaughn was in the mix. I, I don't. I don't know that I, I. I feel very good about that possibility. Well, there's two different things you said there. One, he said that uh, they they might ask for Vaughn, and two, is he in the mix? Uh, I, I don't think he's. I don't think the Chicago White Sox will trade Andrew Vaughn. Good. They they feel that his that his future is huge, not just good, but huge. They believe that he's going to be a dominant uh, hitter in Major League Baseball. So I don't think that's going to happen. That said, it's fair, certainly, for Pittsburgh to ask for the Vaughns and ask for um, you know, players who you wouldn't necessarily want to trade. 
they're, they're not going to ask for your second-tier players that uh, you and the fans would want to trade uh, to get uh, a, a player like Frazier. They're going to ask for a top player. And uh, if you don't give it to them, you know, maybe uh, team 20, 22, 23, 24 on your list might do it. So these are these are real situations uh, that uh, that Rick Hahn and uh, Kenny Williams face every day as far as their conversations with other GMs and what they are willing and what they're not willing to give up. Bruce, am I naive in looking at the White Sox good medical news or prognoses this week for Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert? Am I naive to think that in light of that, in the, in the context of also seeing what Gavin Sheets has done in the past week, that outfield bat becomes your third priority behind infield help because of Nick Magical's absence, bullpen help because of the shaky status of having a right-handed reliever that you trust. I put outfield help third behind those two needs. Is that the right or wrong way to look at it? It, it depends. Uh, you're the GM of your team. I'm the GM of mine. So <laughs> I honestly, I, I still think from the very beginning, uh, Starling Marte uh, from the Marlins is the best choice for the White Sox for a number of reasons. It's only a couple months buy-in. He's a gold glove caliber center fielder. He's a, a hitter that can hit at the top of the order and drive in runs and hit home runs. To me, you cannot count on Jimenez and you cannot count on Robert coming back and, and contributing. Yes, they probably will be back, hopefully, uh, by the end of August or early September. But after not playing for a whole year, what, what do you really expect from them? Are you going to put the pressure of playing every day on them after these returns and carrying the team uh, offensively? I, I, I go for the professional hitters. I go for a, a top-flight defensive center fielder, which you're going to need if Robert isn't able to uh, come back and be himself right away. I don't, I don't live in the pie-in-the-sky world of maybe they will come back and be themselves. Yeah, Not I, for I this wise. Not for a yeah. team that's expected to win the World Series. Okay. Careful. I, I, think, I think that's probably – I think it's smart. You can't count on, on the health and the recovery, and, and I think that's you want to be cautiously optimistic, but cautiously – is the key word there. So we'll yeah. see. It's easy for me to say, David, because I don't yeah. have any skin in the game. And I don't, I'm, my, my butt's not on the line if I trade a top prospect, you know, and, and he goes on to be the next Jimenez or the next Dylan Cease. Um, I, I mean, this, these are, you know, baseball's a fun business for all of us, and it's been a great career for us. And, but, but we know there's a lot of hard work put into it uh, to stay part of right. it and 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 han and and williams are working hard to make sure that they make the right moves and not the wrong ones one of the right ones was bringing up jake Berger. we have found the best burger in chicago and we will talk to him when we come back inside the clubhouse chicago sports radio 670 the score this is sports radio 670 the score and 670 the score.com chicago sports station obviously i played with him in 2017 we we did everything together because we 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 roomed together we Went to low A together, um, flew together everywhere, and you know to see him go through what he went through from 2017 to now is um, it's it's pretty spectacular to see where he is right now because he's been through a lot and you know tons of up and downs, more downs than up. But you know this season to see him start out and you know in the beginning of the season it started as like a it's it's good to be back, it's fun to be playing baseball, and then you kind of saw that shift in the season where it was like man. 
you know, I can do this. I can be a big leaguer again. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to score. I'm David Hall with Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock. That was the voice of Gavin Sheets talking fondly about his teammate Jake Berger, who he has come up through the White Sox system with and who wasn't happy for Jake Berger last watching him come through, get his first major league hit, hear the emotion in his voice postgame. And let's go out to the guest hotline sponsored by Circa Resort Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And that is where we find the man of the moment, Jake Berger. Good morning and congratulations, Jake. Good morning. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. How'd you sleep last night? I slept like a baby, you know, uh, the night before <laughs> I, I couldn't get any sleep and then uh, finally came off the adrenaline high a little bit and uh, went to bed. Jake, uh, we'll, we'll talk about your first hits and we'll talk about your first experience, but I want to know that feeling, that sensation, that thought process when you first stepped into the batter's box for your first at bat, what's going through your mind how do you block out all the emotion and get through that at bat and, and do what you end up doing? Uh, honestly, it was just breathe. Um, you know, Steve Finley, um, I talk with him a lot, and uh, he's like, make sure you, you take, like, as many deep breaths as you can. That's what everybody else is telling me. So uh, that's kind of how I get, like, got outside of the emotions and just uh, play baseball. But, you know, I, you step into the box and there's nothing like it. I mean, legs are jello and, um, you know, you, you can't really feel your body. Um, and so I, I definitely wanted to take a pitch just to, like, feel the moment for a sec. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was – there's nothing like it. There's nothing like that feeling. So, Jake, when you – when you have the success that you had last night and everybody kind of starts to learn more about your story, people are amazed that it's hard enough to come back from one major injury in an athlete's career, but you did it twice. You did it twice, and to have two Achilles injuries to the extent that they were, you know, set you back. And how would you describe how the journey was and what was the most difficult part to overcome? Um, yeah, I mean, it's... It, it's tough. Uh, it's a struggle, and mentally, uh, I think it's harder than the physical side of it. Um, you know, constantly not sure if you're ever going to play baseball again. Um, not sure if you're ever going to step on a field again. And so, um, you know, I think that's probably the hardest part: just seeing all your friends have success, and you're really happy for them, but you just don't know if you're going to get back to playing with them. So, uh, that's definitely the hardest part. And uh, it was a long journey, but I'm happy I went through it. You uh, mentioned, and, and by, the, by the way, Jason Benetti, uh, the great Sox broadcaster, asked you some really uh, good questions in the postgame. And you mentioned the support you got from your parents and how they were there for you and how they said don't give up uh, and taught you that. How much of, of that, you know, having breakfast with them and the rest of the family today, uh, were you appreciative of where you come from and who you are? No, I I give everything to my parents. Um, you know, they, they help me get through those tough times. If it wasn't for them, I probably would have quit. Um, so, you know, I, I got to give everything to them and for constantly believing in me and constantly just supporting me and seeing my talent for what it is. So, um, you know, you lose sight of that when you're hurt. Um, so just like having that that whole moment with them was really special. 
So t- who was there last night, and how far of a trip did they have to make, and how did how much of a scramble was it to get the right tickets? And there's that other element besides just focusing on the fact, okay, I'm playing third base tonight, but I would imagine that those are some pleasant distractions to have to deal with. Yeah, no, it was good. Uh, my, my mom, dad, and sister uh, came, so just my direct family, and I think it's like an eight-hour drive from St. Louis, so not too bad, and I uh, got the tickets for them, and they're – <laughs> I I still know like they're they're excited for tonight even you know it's just like they, they saw what I went through firsthand and so um, it's just it's cool to share that with them. When you got the word in the minor leagues that they were going to start playing you at second base, how excited did you get? How nervous did you get knowing that you're a third baseman? They're thinking, well, we need we have a need at second base. We're we're, we're we're thinking about uh, watching him see how he does there and and what was that what was that transition like I mean how difficult was all that to uh, mentally absorb and then physically go do uh, it wasn't it wasn't too hard because it's an infield spot I think I think if you go out to the outfield it's a little different but um, you know you get a little more time at second base and. Uh, I don't know. It's just uh, it. It was cool that you know they're trying to work me out at different positions. You know that's always uh, a good sign. So um, you know that that made me feel pretty good. Um, and how were you on with your back to the? How were you with your back to the uh, first baseman making that uh, pivot? How hard was that? Yeah, that's that's a little that's a little different. Um, you know, it's uh, you're used to your momentum going towards first base at third and. Um, you know, at second, it's a little different. So uh, just kind of feeling that out, definitely. Uh, so it's interesting for sure. Talking with Jake Berger, the White Sox third baseman who had his first major league hit last night in Detroit against the Tigers here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score with Bruce Levine and David Haw. Jake, so it's 2011. You're a kid growing up in St. Louis. You're at the World Series Game 6. Tony Larusa is the manager of that Cardinals team, Tony LaRusso, the Hall of Famer, and now now he's the guy putting your name in the lineup card. When you walked into the clubhouse last night, when you were in the dugout, did you have a pinch me, uh, is this real moment when you looked over and you saw Tony LaRusso as your manager? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was that was special. It was really cool to have that experience with him, and uh, I still haven't talked to him about game six, but I'm going to at some point. Um, <laughs> but, you know, at, at this point, we're just we're focused on winning games for the White Sox. So, um, you know, that it, it makes it simple just, just doing that. Jake, there's a lot of White Sox pride going on at the major league level, and I imagine at your level where you just came from as well, with so many players uh, being drafted, signed, drafted, and now playing at the major league level coming through the system. Is it noticeable when you have conversations with guys that were uh, with you in the minor leagues that uh, hey uh, we're not only uh, we're not only having a chance to play in the major leagues but something really special may be happening here in this this clubhouse in this organization? Yeah, no, it's really it's really cool um, just having that experience with with the guys that you come up with and the younger guys in the clubhouse and just. You know, being a part of a pennant race—it's—it's it's always always exciting. But um, hey, guys, I gotta I gotta cut it short. Um, sure. Super Joe's telling me to go outside, take some ground balls. So uh, <laughs> sorry about that. All right. Well, thank. Okay, Best thanks of luck for joining us. <laughs> yeah, Jake, yeah. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining us, Jake Berger. 
the White Sox third baseman has to rush out and take infield practice, Bruce. I think we could we could allow that. I think it's it's a permitted for a guy who is in, you know an emergency second baseman and played third base for the Sox last night. I'm going to talk to Super Joe about uh, this interruption of this uh, conversation. Uh, David, what's what's more important, talking to us or uh, getting in, taking some ground balls before his second game of uh, his big league season? Did, did he say where he was taking ground balls? Do we do we have a little insight there? Is he playing second base today? Could he be possibly uh, yeah, moving gonna around the infield? We're going to have to look at Tony's lineup here pretty soon and figure that out. I, I imagine uh, he's probably playing third base again. I, I think probably you're right. And, and, Bruce, I think that in an emergency, which the White Sox have had their share this year, you like the versatility. But I don't think anybody projects or even expected Jake Berger to be lining up at second base and learning how to, to make the turn um, at the beginning of the season. It speaks to how good of an athlete he remains after the injuries that he was able to even try it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just uh, the idea that um... – you know, he joins a, a teammate that he was with uh, just a, a week ago in the minor leagues. Now they're contributing to a first-place team that could be going to the World Series this year in the Chicago White Sox. Uh, that's got to be mind, mind-boggling when him and Sheets uh, sit down and start talking you know, about where they were a week ago and where they are right now. You know how you know he's still a rookie, though, Bruce? He, he didn't uh, he hang was up still, on He us. was nice to me. He, he, he no. was polite. He, he asked and apologized <laughs> to leave. He did not just hang up because he knew that he had to go. So he may grow out of that. Let's hope not because it's a great story. And, you know, he talked about it, and, and he probably should never get tired of talking about it because what he overcame with the two Achilles injuries, you know, Bruce, he dropped 40 pounds. He had, he had gained a lot of weight throughout, and he went three years between competitive at-bats and games. And that is, speaks to the perseverance and, and to the parenting. I mean, he's, he credited his parents, but they kept him on, on the right path and never, never giving up. So what a great story that is in, in, a, story, in a season full, full of them for the White Sox. And, uh, you know, paying attention to the little things like all, all rookies have to do. I guess it was just a little bit more important than our interview. I, I don't know. I mean, it was, he, probably, he probably should have said, hey, Joe, I'll be done in two or three minutes. I'll be out there. Don't worry about it. You know, I got, I've got this. He's got this. Yeah. And he does. Uh, uh, how long does it last? Will, will he spend the rest of the season on the White Sox roster? I think it's probably unrealistic. Wouldn't you, Bruce? I mean, I, I guess you could hit well enough to justify it, but this is a very competitive roster um, for the final couple spots. And you want people uh, who are on there that um, fill a certain need. And we don't know what they will do in the way of trade. I don't think that Jake Berger's future necessarily – he's not necessarily here to stay. As, as much fun as this is at the moment, uh, I would be surprised if he doesn't return to Charlotte, but that doesn't diminish anything he accomplished last night either. If he gets two hits every day, Tony LaRusso will not allow him to go back to Charlotte. They will find a spot for him somewhere. Uh, it, is, it, it is a little clunky right now because – with the calf injury for Grandal, we don't know how and when he's going to come back or if he's going on the IL. We might hear some, uh, some more changes today, depending on uh, how he comes out of that. They, they have to keep that DH spot open, uh, you know, for <clears throat> Abreu and his leg problems that he's had. Uh, Grandal, in his situation, um, 
there are, uh, you know, there are a number of areas that they, they have to kind of keep open here. So I don't, I don't know what position-wise they do and if they consider Berger uh, good enough at this point to put in at second base. Uh, that's going to be a determination uh, that they'll have to make as to whether or not, yeah, let's keep him here. Mancata's back. He's playing third base. Now what do we do with Berger? Well, can he play second base every day? That's the... Uh, the question of the day and something that will have to be answered. And that's why he went out to take extra infield. He's probably taking second base grounders right now for Super Joe, demanding that he get better at it. But look, Bruce, I think that to answer also, uh, you raise a good point about Grandal. Had a couple texts to this regard. Does that mean they'll bring your mean Mercedes back from Charlotte? I don't think so. I think they already have Zebi, uh, Z- Sebi Zabala on, on call. He's in Detroit from what I understand, or he was on the way. If Grandal goes to the injured list, isn't isn't Zavala the guy who's next up uh, in terms of the catching? Yeah, and he's a very good defensive catcher, and that's what they're going to need uh, behind Collins if Grandal goes on the IL for 10 days. And we're going to really understand the value of Grandal, not just the hitting. There's been a lot of conversation about Grandal uh, framing, catching, blocking, throwing, um, off to a slow start, but a great start when it comes to OPS. You know, he, he's been a uh, much-talked-about guy that is a finalist uh, for the All-Star game with a 170 batting yeah. average. Right. So it, it's been a – it, he is – he's been, a, you know, a guy that has been, uh, you know, a focal point for a lot of people. But you don't want to think about going on without him because uh, he, he does bring an awful lot of value every day. And, Bruce, you know, it's just take, time to take a step back. And, and we're at midseason. The White Sox are 49-32. and 32. And we are immersed in it every day. Nobody works harder at it than you do. But sometimes when you take a step back and you look at it like, wow, the Sox are 49-32 and 32 on a 98-victory pace. They have had injuries to major players, major contributors. They have dealt with a lot of controversy that they brought on themselves from their manager, but they have overcome that. And here they are relying on rookies to come through, to get them through this past week especially, but it's remarkable, really, what the White Sox have accomplished this year in a half a season. Long may it last, but you do appreciate the job that they have done, not only in, in getting the right players through trades and free agency, but drafting and developing. This is an organizational uh, victory that, to be six games ahead of midseason. You haven't won anything yet, but it looks like they're well on their way. It all starts with one area, and that's where there may be the best in baseball, and that is... One through, fr- one through five, you expect and usually get a very well-pitched game every time out. And when you have that going for you, uh, you are going to be a very good team. Your bullpen has been up and down, now injured to main, po- main parts of that bullpen now on the IL. Uh, they, they have to get that solidified. But uh, this, is a, uh, this is a team that has a pretty good destiny ahead of it. Uh, if the starting pitchers stay healthy. And this was a fun show, Bruce. We have a lot of people to thank, and it uh, starts with the guy who kept us on the air here, Mike Rankin. Thank you very much, Mike. We also, Jim Callis from the MLB Pipeline, the senior writer, and Jake Berger before Super Joe pulled him away, Bruce. Nice job lining that up. Jake Berger, the man of the moment, he was great to join us this morning. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Our good friend Steve Rosenblum and uh, – What's that other guy? Mark Grody. That oh, other guy. Oh, yeah, Mark Grody. Yeah. Uh, they follow us. 
Uh, people can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. Also, I write on our website, Cubs and Sox, every day, 670thescore.com. David, have a great week. It was fun. Catch you next Saturday. Thanks, Bruce. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you Monday. I'm Molly and Haw. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.